You are listening to the Sound and Faith podcast, coming to you from Faith Baptist Fellowship in beautiful Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It's a nice place. It is. It's a very nice. It's lovely. It's Especially lovely this here. winter. <laughs> 54 today. Yeah. I'm Pastor Thomas Lawson. And I'm Pastor Mike Johnson. Our aim is to encourage the saints of Faith Baptist Fellowship to believe sound doctrine to live lives that adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's Amen. good to be here today. Yes. Yeah, you mentioned the weather, and I mean, I know, it's the Midwestern thing to talk about the weather. I get It's actually it. interesting here. Yeah. Like, it, in some places, it's small talk. Here, I, it's, like, real. It is. It, like, it definitely affects life. <laughs> um, growing up in the South, in Louisiana, I mean, it was going to be warm, really warm, blazing hot, and, you know, occasionally you'd get a freeze and the whole place would just shut down, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, but we are we are enjoying um, some mild winter here, and that's nice. Got out and threw football with my, my littlest yesterday, oh, and that was awesome. Yeah. Hey, Mike, I'm excited. You know why? Why is that? We're going to be talking about a great, great subject today uh, oh. on the podcast, but also we have our first sponsor. Oh, we have a sponsor. Yes, I... Uh, and so... Uh, Yeah, we have a sponsor here. Are you tired of feeling lost in the sea of biblical interpretation? Well, listen up, folks. It's time to take your exegesis to the next level with exegetical. Say goodbye to confusion and hello to clarity. Exegetical is the ultimate companion for every theologian and scholar out there. With exegetical, you'll unlock the hidden treasures of Scripture like never before. Simply take exegetical twice daily and watch your understanding (laughs) of Scripture soar. Side effects may include pretension, haughtiness, arrogance, and an aversion to milk. (laughs) So why wait? Get your hands on Exegetical today and elevate your biblical understanding to new heights. Exegetical, where enlightenment meets exegesis. Thank you, Exegetical, for sponsoring us. (laughs) Man, you're really good at this. (laughs) Hey, you know, I have to to ask, you know, okay, so it's a joke, of course, obviously. There is no medicine out there. There's no pill you can take to improve your biblical understanding and interpretation. That's right. Right. Uh, And that's the point we're trying to make, because today on the podcast, we're going to dive into what is biblical theology. Yeah. And uh, I love biblical theology. And and we're, as we get into this, we're going to explain what that means, because initially someone might think, okay, you know, I believe, uh, I, I believe in the Trinity, or I believe in the deity of Christ, and that is theology that is biblical. Right. But what we mean by biblical theology is really the theology of the Bible itself. Right. What yeah. is the Bible? So a lot of people would... Pe- people mean different things when they say biblical theology. Yeah. You know, a, a lot of people mean... They just think, well, theology that's biblical, theology that comes from the Bible, derives from the Bible. And we want all of our theology to be biblical. Right, right. right. But but we have a technical meaning to biblical theology that's a little bit different. Mm. Um, So we would define it as um, viewing the Bible, um, like through the lens of history and progressive revelation and how all of the Bible fits together. I mean, this is a rough definition, but how all the Bible fits together to tell one story of God's progressive, redeeming revelation demand. Mm, yeah. So it's it's really looking at what is what what is the story that the Bible is telling. Right. And and that is an important important thing for people to understand because around this time of year, okay? Uh, a lot of people who have started one-year Bible reading plans, they're going to start hitting the book of Leviticus soon Ooh. if they haven't already. Right. 
And I think we as a church, in our reading plan, we hit it in a couple of weeks. Yes, we do. So right now, because we're doing a two-year plan... I'm on like Exodus 37 this morning. Yeah. So with that, you know, it's often joked uh, that Leviticus derails Bible reading plans. Mm. And, And... you know, let's be honest. Why might that be, Mike? I mean, well, I, it's a tough book to read, yeah. especially when we read it without all the context that that would that would help us to see how uh, how much life is there. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so we we read all these regulations and we think, well, they don't apply. So there's that. They don't apply to my life. Like I'm 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 not constrained by a lot of the regulations that are there now. Uh, and then it just seems uh, foreign to us. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, there's some difficulties in, in reading it. And, and there's other parts of Scripture, too, that can at times be challenging, more mm-hmm. challenging to read. Um, there's there's sections that we read that just jump off the page with richness, and there's other times where we have to dig a little bit more and seeing the bigger picture, seeing the whole story of Scripture uh, is, is helpful in understanding where these sections of Scripture fit and, right. and how they fit into God's plan. Right. And, you know, we have to remember, as, as guys who love the Bible, that all Scripture is yes. inspired by God, and all Scripture is profitable. You know, so Leviticus is profitable. Yeah, it has yeah. great profit. And actually, um, man, I've heard some guys really kill it with sermon series on, on Leviticus that have really brought it, you know, into, into the bigger picture and God's holiness and His, redeem, his redemptive work and... You know, I quote a couple of verses from Leviticus all the time, mm. like uh, Leviticus, I think it's 17, that says, the life of the flesh is in the uh, blood, and I have given it to you upon an altar to make atonement for your souls. Mm. You know, I mean, there's... And that, and that's the reason I quote that is because of biblical theology, because of, of how it pertains yeah. to the gospel. So while there's no magic pill right. out there that you can take twice daily that will suddenly open your mind to good biblical exegesis... Right, right, right. There is a, a way of going about understanding Scripture that will help you see God's unfolding plan of redemption from Genesis all the way through Revelation. But do you think we should try to develop like a vitamin, a vitamin that would 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 help us get the Bible? Use the British pronunciation, yes, vitamin, vitamins. Vitamin. <laughs> maybe that'll be on the next. Uh, yeah, maybe that'll be on the next. But so yeah. no pill. But we do want to see the bigger picture, and right. and it's important to read the Bible with its context, with its <laughs> broad context. So let's dig in a little bit here. Yeah. How then does biblical theology, now that we've defined what it is, how does it help us understand and interpret the Bible? Yeah, uh, so it helps us by um, seeing the broadest context of of each individual book and each mm-hmm. individual passage. Yeah, like so. So biblical theology helps us to see where things fit in the timeline of things, and where things fit in the the the. The, the progress of revelation and how that how that is occurring mm. you know so so we read Genesis uh, in in light of the whole story we, re, 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 you know we read Leviticus yeah which is our example in light of the whole story and so um, w- we're really blessed to be at this place in the story because there's so much that has unfolded now it hasn't all unfolded right yet, right yeah. like uh, one day we, we might think a little differently about revelation as we as, as some of those mysteries become uh, revealed to us. But, you know, uh, that's how we read it. We read it in light of the whole, and yeah. that's how it helps us. And it, it can help us in that way because, and, and I'll just kind of give a little bit of a personal testimony here. You know, I really didn't come to an understanding of what we're talking about here until I was in my early 20s mm. and had been walking with the Lord for some time. So about 10 years ago. Uh, yeah, about 10 years ago, perfectly. Thank you. Um, but <laughs> we, you know... 
there, there were just sections of scripture that were that just were a profound mystery. They stay obscure, don't they? They do, and you feel like I, I like if you open your Bible and you really don't have a good grasp of what biblical theology is, or the the fact that there's one big story going on, you you would probably never choose to go read books like Leviticus right. or some of the right. longer tabernacle passages in Exodus where they're building the tabernacle. I mean, there's just all kinds of places where we would probably never willingly go, but when we know the full story, then those sections of Scripture are are opened up to us. And they become super exciting. Yeah, they do. You know, I think we often think of it as biblical theology helps us to understand the Old Testament, but it actually helps us to understand the New Testament, too. You know, like, there there are two sides to that coin. Like, we've been preaching. I preached uh, two weeks ago, and you preached last week using the phrase, behold, the Lamb of God, Mm, right? Yeah. Uh, And that ties into, I mean, without biblical theology, uh, that does not have the the kind of meaning that it needs to have. I mean, it it sounds religious, and so you might think, well, I don't know biblical theology, but that sounds really good about Jesus, but lamb, it's calling him a lamb, like a a baby sheep, you know? It's it's calling Jesus a baby sheep, you know? Yeah. Uh, So... Without biblical theology, it's hard to understand why why John the Baptist would do that. With biblical theology, we know we know that this means that he is going to he is going to give his life for the for, for his people. Yeah, and that's that's just a clear example there. A beautiful. Of that. One, There's so many more examples, and we're gonna maybe get into a few of those and unpack yeah. those. Mike, how could we summarize the whole Bible, the whole story of Bible of the Bible, in maybe a short sentence or? Sure. You know, phrase or whatever. The Bible is about God and His redeeming grace, His relationship with man, His redeeming grace uh, through Jesus Christ. Yeah. Amen. Who's the Who's the main character of the Bible? It's It's God. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, and 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 so it's almost like a. Um, you can call it. I'll, I'll give this example here. You know. Uh, Mark Dever, a pastor, Capitol Hill Baptist Church, yeah. and Mark's Ministries, um, he he gives this illustration that everything has meaning at different levels. So if you uh, are in a forest in the woods and you've got a leaf and you've got a microscope and you're looking at that, you, there is significance and meaning in that. If you zoom out and get look at the whole forest, uh, there's meaning there. If you zoom out and you're thirty thousand feet above the Earth, there's meaning there. Yeah. You know, if you if you fly to Neptune and have a powerful telescope and look at Earth, there's meaning there. And he's using that to kind of point to how there are times for us to dig deeply into word studies in Scripture and meaning and exegesis uh, that that gets really really deep. But there's also a significant meaning to the whole picture of right. the story of the Bible itself. Right, right. That's so good. Yeah. So I, we didn't we didn't hit that one question about, oh, maybe that's next. Yeah, that's, uh, oh, you're talking about biblical and systematic yeah, theology? Yeah, like dif- differentiate. Yeah, you know. so the reason why we're, uh, you know, starting with biblical theology is, um, and maybe this shows my bias here, but I think ultimately you've got to know the whole story yes. of Scripture, God's unfolding plan of redemption through Jesus Christ, but there's another technical term that we use in in studying the Bible and understanding it called systematic theology, yeah. and maybe a lot of people have heard of that. Yeah. Um, what's well, the differences there? Yeah. The so, differences? so we've described biblical theology, um, the understanding the Bible as his story and how it, how it unfolds. Um, you know, seeing the Bible as a whole and its 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 meaning and its 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 uh, overall message. 
uh, systematic theology. I think the word synthesis is really helpful. It's um, it's it's when we as theologians take uh, different topics of the Bible, mm. different topics about God, and we systematize those uh, so that we form a, a a theology of say God's sovereignty or God's omnipotence or you know. So we're not um, we're not concerned in systematic theology necessarily with the whole um, like the the. The timeline, the you know the, the 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 whole scope of the biblical revelation being you know as it has progressed to us, we're more interested in what it teaches us on certain topics, right? You know, so yeah. um, you know any any theological topic you know that we that we would hold to, and it's important. Like we're not saying one's more important than the other. We, no, they're both important. We have to systematize yeah. our thinking so that we are thinking yeah. rightly about God, and God has revealed Himself in a certain way, and so. Um, when when you hear a study on the love of God, you know that's a, a typically a systemization of many different passages of Scripture and and the overall scope teaching us out of time. Right? It's just yeah, like this yeah. is what the Bible says about God uh, that He is omnipresent or the Trinity. That's a systematic thought. You know that we uh, theology proper. You know when we yeah. think about all of those things. Uh, that's that's systematic theology. I really feel like, and, and correct me if you think this metaphor is off base, but you know, in one sense, the the systematic theology is examining the leaves in the forest. The the biblical theology is a lot more of the thirty thousand foot yeah. view. You're Google Earth zooming out and yeah. seeing the whole forest yeah. and and where it goes and where the river crosses in it. Yeah, that's a good and analogy. And both are, both are important. Yeah, both are important. We, and, and we need to spend time doing both. Yeah, you know, yeah. and, and we have great theologians who, who focus on different aspects. So now that we've kind of defined what biblical theology is, we've given a few examples already, and we've talked about systematic theology, how it differs, it differs and I, I definitely see an episode coming up in the future where we talk about systematic yeah, theology. Yeah, I'd love that. You know, um, That's my jam. That's your that's your jam. Um, we need to bring a jar of jam. Yeah. Every time we say that's our jam, we'll set the jam out here for the camera. So what are some examples of biblical theology, uh, you know, how it could be useful in understanding the big picture of Scripture? Um, you know, w- w- what are some things we see in Scripture that biblical theology is helpful when we seek to understand them? Sure. So I was talking to somebody not long ago who was talking about the sacrificial system, and we were talking about the benefits of the gospel, and um, and they said something to the effect of, "It's nice that we don't have to bring sacrifices every time we sin," mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, that's true. Uh, but there's something bigger going on, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what what that person said was absolutely true. I, I'm not knocking it, you know. It's, um, but the fact that blood that that the blood of bulls and goats does not take away sin, like that's that's helpful to understand. Yeah, uh, that it, it's not just the the trouble of taking a you know an animal as a sacrifice for your sin. It's that that was a shadow. Mm, you know, biblical yeah. theology helps us see that that was a shadow. That was a mere shadow. It didn't actually take away sin. Like yeah. the substance is Christ, and we learn that through biblical theology. As we system, as we as we as we begin to understand the whole, we we zoom out. We see the whole forest. We we realize that there's a river. That, that that runs right through the the the, the Pascal Lamb all the way to Jesus, mm-hmm. and yeah. and and that ties it together so that we see that all of those things were a mere shadow. The substance is Jesus Christ dying on the cross, uh, being buried and raised again on the third day. Yeah, other examples too that we see, and, and that is that is spot on right there. When you when you see those shadows in the Old Testament, and you and you see the substance. 
in the New Testament. There's there's things like when Jesus is called the good shepherd yes. that lays down his life yeah. for the for the sheep. Uh, that's not a metaphor he just came up with on the fly. You know, there was intentionality to using that. And our minds can be drawn back to Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He will shepherd his flock. You know, there's so many examples that we can go back to and see the shadows of that in the Old Testament. Um, one that I think is very important to understand uh, is, is the three Old Testament biblical offices that find their fulfillment in Christ in the New Testament. So prophet, priest, and king. king yeah. um, you know, when we, we sing about that sometimes. There's, there's lines to our hymns and our songs that talk about Christ, our great high priest, Christ, the, you know, the true and better, or, or the, the, the prophet, uh, Jesus, our king. Um, and so those Old Testament offices were a shadow of what was to come and be fulfilled in Christ. The substance is in Christ. Right. And, and you know, I, this is a tangent, and I don't want to go too far with it, but uh, this is why we Protestants um, are not about to call people priests today. Yeah. You, you know, it's because we, it's biblical theology that has led us to realize that that priestly, mediatory work uh, is accomplished through Christ. You know, we do no, we we don't do any more furthering mediation or sacrifice. You know, it's done in Jesus. Yeah. You know, and 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 that's again biblical theology, and and you know, at the heart of that is the gospel. Yeah, you know, one of the one of the like lighter criticisms of biblical theology is that it's all about redemption. Um, and I say lighter because uh, it really is all about redemption. Yeah, and you know, th- that's because the Bible is all about redemption. And right. so when we take it all as a whole, uh, of course, we're going to be talking a lot about the tones and the tenor and the shadows and you yeah. know, of, of Jesus. Now, so we, we've laid out a little bit of that, and I think all of those are, are extremely helpful. Um, there can be, though, possible dangers yeah. uh, and pitfalls with biblical theology. I'll give an example here. Yep. Um, you know, there's a there's another pastor, Greg Gilbert, who wrote who's written several books. We have some of them in our resource center here. But uh, I heard him at a conference talking about biblical theology one time. This is going to be a sports metaphor, so hang on. Okay, yeah, Hold I'll tune right out. Yeah. <laughs> Lost me already. You know, but he he said it's like you know, in the it's like throwing a pass and and someone catching it. it the Old Testament throws a pass sometimes or you think it might be throwing a pass, but do you see that being caught in the New Testament huh. as, as it unfolds? Uh, I'll give a, here's an example. I mean, here's an example of some bad biblical theology. So you have the story of Rahab in uh, Jericho, and the people of Israel go into the land in, in, in um, Joshua chapter 2, and Rahab hides the spies and, and shows them you know kindness in that respect, hides them from the pursuers. And uh, she asked them, would you please spare my family? And they tell her to hang the scarlet cord in her window. And, and so an example, I think, of a pitfall or where you, you, know, you see a pass, you, you think you see a pass being thrown, but it's not being called, is, well, a scarlet cord. Blood is red. So that red cord represents you know, the cross or something like that. Um, some of the dangers in there are like allegorizing things or reading into things that aren't necessarily uh, shadows of of what is to come. Yeah, so forced typification. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm reticent to draw um, strong hard lines where the Bible doesn't. You know. Yeah. Um, so um, 
you, you know, the argument is that there are, you can read Hebrews and you can see some of that going on, like things that you would not have noticed as a type in the Old Testament, all of a sudden looking very much like a type and the writer of Hebrews taking it and using it as a type. Uh, so I'm good with the writer of Hebrews doing it. I'm good with Paul doing it, inspired yeah, by yeah. God. You know, like he, they have the inspiration of this Holy Spirit. Um, I'm reticent to 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 draw types where types aren't explicit. And so, yeah. and you know, I know various professors of biblical theology um, have varying degrees of how 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 willing they are to let types stand that aren't explicit in the scriptures. I'm I, I tend to be one that's more conservative in that. Um, if it's not explicitly typified in the scriptures, I have a hard time um, talking much about it uh, with 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 gusto as far as the type. So you know, the Garden of Eden as a temple and, and yeah. things like that. Like, I, I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying I, I don't know. But you, you know, I I I don't see anybody taking up that type. You know, and if, right. and because I don't see anyone taking up that type, I don't know that I need to. Well, and and yeah, I hope my I hope my illustration was clear. What I was saying is that is not a good example yeah, of yeah. biblical theology because caught, yeah. because there there is there is no pass being caught in right. the New Testament. We scripture interprets scripture, right? And, and so when we look for those types, those shadows of things to come in the New Testament, then we want to see there be some kind of explicit fulfillment of yeah. that, some connection. You, you could get so excited about biblical theology and uh, and you, that you can kind of take it off the rails and and start really creating systems that, that aren't there. Mm. You know, you, you start over-typifying things. You, you know what I mean by typifying, like yeah. m- calling out types, you know, mm-hmm. like, like uh, David is a type of Christ, you know, which... Legit, but there's a whole bunch of things that we 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 can do that isn't as legitimate. So we can we can start typifying, especially in prophecy. People do this, and we start having a huge system that really is somewhat of a house of cards uh, in that it, it's not held up by the scriptures yeah. uh, strongly. And lots of times, there's some conjecture with that, uh, some forcing of those types. And so that's a danger. That's a danger. Like I, I, I tend to prefer to stick with what's explicit uh, in the scriptures, what's made made clear as a type. Yeah, and and I think that's a good word there, brother, because we we don't want to read into scripture yes, things it, that aren't there. Yeah, We'd, it can become eisegesis. Yeah, right? eisegesis, yeah. the opposite of exegesis. Right. Exegesis, we're we're getting it from the text. Eisegesis, we're reading it into the text. We're imposing our own views our own beliefs into the text that aren't necessarily there. Sure. And it, it, here's one of the dangers, like, you know, um, of, ha- of having the freedom to over-typify. Mm-hmm. Uh, you start making a big deal at, about something that perhaps the Bible does not ever, and what's the merit of that? Like, what's the, what's the, what's the impetus of that? Like, where do you find justification to do that if the Bible—I mean, if we're Bible guys, right, we make yeah. a big deal of what the Bible makes a big deal of. And then we stop, you know, and yeah. that's so. Yeah, there is some dangers of 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 going too far with things. And the next thing you know, you found some obscure verse, and you're writing a book about it. Yeah, <laughs> not to call out anyone. No. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, yeah. I think that controversy is over. Yeah. Um, we've moved on. So we we're talking. Yeah. So we've we've covered what biblical theology is, how it's helpful, some examples of that, um, and, and even some some pitfalls that we want to avoid. Can I talk about one more pitfall? Absolutely, yeah. Um, one more pitfall, and this has to do with the the the, um, the, the preaching of the church, like the preaching mm. that goes on in the church. Um, we can, uh, and this is a danger. We can we can miss the leaves for the forest sometimes. Mm. You know, miss yeah. the, You know, we 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 can be so big on the big picture that we don't 
preach what is right there in the text. And we have to be careful with that too. You know, like yeah. uh, there can be a tendency once we get really excited about this, we start seeing these connections, you know, going through the Old Testament, New Testament, and back and forth. And it, it, it's exciting to see those things. I mean, it's just like, wow, you yeah. know, God, yeah. God inspired this book so obviously, you know, uh, that we can get so excited about that, that we can be teaching a passage that clearly says something. And our message might not clearly say it because we've just stayed up at 30,000 feet. Mm, you know, we've just yeah. been we've just been drawing those lines. You know, we've just been drawing those beautiful, wonderful lines, and not examining the text itself. Right. And you could do that in the New Testament with uh, specific commands, like uh, when we talk about uh, imperatives of the scriptures that we know because of biblical theology, we know that those imperatives of scripture are um, given life through the Spirit. Uh, but we can stay up 30,000 feet and not talk about the fact that he says, don't do this. Yeah. You know, or, yeah. or yeah. he says, do that. You know, and so I hope that makes sense. No, it makes total sense. And thank you. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. That's why it's good to have a good biblical theology and a good systematic yes. theology. Yeah. Uh, personally, I think there's a, there's a helpfulness, especially I think for young believers or people that are, that are new Christians to, you know, help them see that all of scripture is, is God's unfolding plan of redemption. And so there's a sense in which leading someone to understand the Bible when they come to it and they're starting to read it for the first time where some of these things fit. And biblical theology can be very helpful with that. I mean, when you open up, if you've never read the Bible before and you open up to Matthew chapter 1 and you're confronted with a genealogy, <laughs> and you're yes. like... Wait, what? Yeah. You know, I thought this was supposed to be about Jesus, and I have a long list of names I can't pronounce. Well, you see that there's a, there's a rich thread that's yeah. been woven uh, that leads up to the birth of Christ, and so. But at the same time, we we have to you know we we have to be obedient to what the text is saying, right? And we we have to to not be afraid to dig in. You're right; we can miss the leaves. For the forest, if right. we're not careful. Yeah. So we, yeah, there, there's pitfalls either way, you know. W- yeah. With that, and um, but it's 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 biblical theology is a beautiful thing, and it really does help us to understand the Bible, you yeah. know. And you know, just to add to that, like a little bit of excitement here, um, it is really difficult to do a serious study of biblical theology and then come away with a low view of inspiration. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is so plainly inspired by God. Every word, it's plenary, it's verbal, it's inspired. That comes from God. Uh, there's no other way. A book like this, written like this, by so many different authors, different contexts, different walks of life, different languages, yeah. could do that. M- maybe, you know, just a, as an example here, um, you know, the story of David and Goliath. Mm. Have you ever heard one of the sermons that's, here's the story, here's what happened, and this is all about slaying the giants. Yeah, who are your, your giants? Who are your giants? Yeah. Who, well, you know, the, trust in God and pick up your five stones and here are your five stones, Bible yeah. reading and, you know, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and of course, there's useful application there in the sense of, yes, David did trust in the Lord. Yeah. Uh, he was a man after God's own heart, and of course, you know, his life was not perfect and there were, there were sins there. There's all that stuff there, but when you realize it is, it's about God preserving His people, yeah, uh, and and establishing the kingship of David in that context and that thread that takes us from the line of David to the birth of Jesus. You know, there there's a bigger picture going on there, and there's a redemptive story happening. There is sure. there is a shadow of Christ yeah. uh, in the story of David and Goliath. And you don't just have to look to the types; you can look to the actual language. Yes, when 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 David is is, is speaking to 
to to Goliath. You know, they they, they had that little. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna this day shall I <laughs> give your body to the birds of the. What David said, if you if you're paying attention, is uh, this day. The Lord will deliver you into my hand mm. that all the world might know that there's a king in Israel, yeah, that there is a God see? in Israel. You know, that, see, so that's that biblical theology awesome. that ties that together. We yeah. understand that the, the redemptive purpose of God in slaying the giant, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so yeah. good. So good. Thanks for bringing that out. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So um, it, just to, to, to kind of wrap this up here, we've, yeah. got, we've got a few more questions we want to hit, but... You know, how does good biblical theology affect how you preach and teach, and how should it affect how people study the Bible? Just some practical pastoral inf- uh, counsel here. Sure, and we kind of hit on this by saying what not to do. I yeah. Think, I think we kind of hit on this a little bit, but you're preaching passages within their contexts, you know, mm-hmm. so you don't go... Uh, th- this could avoid the pitfall of legalism, um, especially as you preach in the Old Testament, you know, that moralistic preaching is I think trumped by uh, biblical theology. Like when we when we when we see a passage and we see a clear moral mandate, we're not just teaching that uh, moralistically. Mm. Like you need to change because this says change, so change now. Get out there and change. You know, uh, we're teaching it in light of the gospel, right? We're te- mm. we're teaching we're teaching that passage and transformation in light of the transformation that comes through Christ. You know, so that it helps a lot that way. You know, because we're. Um, you know, people have termed this differently, and there's a bit of a controversy a few years ago about this, about how to, you know, do we see Christ in all of the Bible, you know, that kind of thing, in every passage, is there Christ, you know? There was a bit of a controversy, and, and some said we should, like Spurgeon said, make a beeline to the cross. Um, I really like how Dr. John Piper put it in a, in, a, in, a, in a talk that he gave on this, and he said we should make a beeline to the text from the cross. In other mm. words, we should see, and this is biblical mm, theology. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. We, we should see that text in light of the gospel. Like we know the gospel, we believe the gospel. We be, we know who Christ is. We know what He's done. We know how He works, and so we read that passage in light of in light of Christ. So that's we're not, a good way. To we're put not it. just looking for the for the for the segues. You know, there there's a uh, biblical theology is the segue. We yeah. we read all of this together. Um, segue to the gospel. I mean, you know, we're seeing all of this together. Does Are you saying, sense? yeah, it makes total sense. Are you saying that you disagree with the way Spurgeon put it? I just want to record this. This is very rare because I love <laughs> Spurgeon, but I like the way Dr. Piper put it more than I like the that, way that Spurgeon put it. Yeah, that that's that's really good. And, although and, although Spurgeon was a really good biblical theologian. Yes, he Let was. Let me just say that. Yeah, yeah. What would be your counsel now then? In light of everything we've said, let's let's bring it back to um, the book of Levit- Leviticus right now that maybe people are hitting in their Bible yeah, reading. Yeah. Uh, you know, what would be your counsel to them as they're going through this or another maybe challenging part of Scripture? How can they read it? You know, what what what's what are they looking for? What gets them motivated to and get gets them excited? About yeah. It? So take Leviticus. Here we are getting ready to read Leviticus. Um, Read that in light of the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man, mm. and 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 read that not in a way that leaves you utterly discouraged, but leads you trembling, like mm. trembling at the gospel, at what Christ has done on the cross to redeem us, um, in light of man's sinfulness and God's perfection, like yeah. like every detail perfect, yeah, and holy and yeah. right and other. Uh, and your utter sinfulness. Like, I think you should leave Leviticus realizing really clearly how desperate we need Jesus and 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 how good it is uh, that Christ has come. Yeah. One, one thing I did one year when reading through Leviticus was 
Uh, I'm, I'm a Bible highlighter kind of guy. It's just I know not everybody does that, but I highlighted every time it said make atonement, mm. make atonement, mm. make atonement. So good. And, and it only makes full sense yes. in light of biblical theology. In, right? Yeah, because we, we are, we are, God is unfathomably holy. Yes. And we are unfathomably sinful, yet our God in his mercy has made atonement mm. for sinners like us that we might be reconciled. Amen. And that's Amen. just such a beautiful... Beautiful thing. So press on, brothers and sisters. Uh, you know, re- get your cup of coffee in the morning. Whatever you do, sit down with God's word and and realize uh, the big, beautiful picture of God's unfolding plan of redemption uh, yeah. in all of Scripture. And, and and never forget that this passage was written for your edification mm, and yeah. for your profit and for your good. Very good. Well, thanks, Pastor Mike. We do have one question today. I'm seeing uh, it for the first time. You're seeing it for the wow. Did it is... come through our email? I just missed it. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're gonna do this one on the fly. All right. You want to read it there for a second? Sure. Yeah. Can you explain? This is written by anonymous. Um, I know who it is, but I won't say because it says anonymous. Can you explain what it means in Second Peter one eleven when it says, "For in this way there will be." Richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. By saying richly provided, is it implying that there are levels of heaven, some of which are richer than others? So that last question first, I don't think that implies that. I yeah. think richly means over abundantly, bigger than you think, more lovely than you imagine, sublime, you mm. know, those kind of words. Um, I don't think he's he's referring to levels of heaven. Now, it, it, we could have a conversation about rewards. We could have a conversation about Jesus saying things like uh, the last will be first and the first will be last. You know, mm. there, 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 there's, there's a conversation to be had here along the lines of this question. I don't think that passage, and is there a contextual, you, you looked it up, is there a context that would help us? Yeah, so the context here is, uh, it begins with, you know, confirming your calling and election. Peter is exhorting them to that. Uh, let me go here. Um, let's see, where, he's granted us, granted us his precious and very great promises so that through them you might, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue, knowledge, and knowledge, self-control, uh, and uh, self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall, for in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So I know that was long there, yeah. but that, that gives the greater Helpful. context yeah. right there. And I think what you were saying is is spot on. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a it's richer than we can possibly imagine. Richer than, we, and, and and all ultimately based on Christ. Right. Like you you don't again. You don't want to leave that passage, forgetting that he says our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know the yeah. the reason the reason ultimately that there's an entrance is because of Christ. And I just want to say one more word about that. You know, you you mentioned the whole idea of. You know rewards, and we get to heaven; those kind of yeah. things like that. Here, let me let me let me encourage you, Christian. 
there will not be a single redeemed sinner in heaven that is ever disappointed. Hmm. You know, you're not going to get to heaven and be like, oh man, <laughs> that's really you know, good. You know, is there you? No matter how it all works out in, in yeah. the great mystery of what happens uh, beyond uh, when we are with Christ, there will not be a disappointed or bored or there will be no sense of being let down ever. It will be marvelous. For I reckon that the sufferings of this world are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Amen. Romans eight eighteen. Yeah, yeah. It's a good word, brother. Well, you've been listening to the Sound in Faith podcast coming to you from Faith Baptist Fellowship, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It's been a great conversation. Yeah. I've enjoyed this, Pastor Mike. Likewise. Yeah. I'm Pastor Thomas Lawson. And I'm Pastor Mike Johnson. And Lord willing, we will see you Sunday. <laughs>